Welcome to the Shit Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Broder. Are you ready to shoot the shit? Welcome back to the Shit Talk Podcast. I feel like I'm at the point where I don't have to introduce myself every episode, so I'm going to say it's Liz Broder, your host, but maybe going forward, uh, next week and going forward, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to assume you know who I am. But anyway, this week, talking about fiber, aka the guts magician. I'm going to tell you why it's the guts magician if you don't already know. So now, getting right into it, fiber by numbers. From a 2014 study, only 1 in 20 people in the U.S. consume the recommended amount of fiber. Americans, on average, get less than 13 grams of fiber per day. It's recommended women get 25 grams daily and men get 30 grams daily. So I hope that puts things into perspective. I have to say from 2014, only one in 20, I think it's gotten worse as a dietitian just based on, you know, who I see and who gets adequate amounts of fiber. I would guess now it's like one in 30, one in 40, but either way, one in 20 is not good. So we're not getting enough fiber and that's a problem in case you aren't aware of the health benefits of fiber, I'm just going to get into a few and explain them before I get into the bulk of today's shit talk. So one, fiber has been shown to help lower cholesterol. Soluble fiber, which I will get into in a second, soluble versus insoluble fiber, but for now, soluble fiber may help lower our total blood cholesterol levels by lowering LDL cholesterol levels. Studies have shown that high fiber foods may also have other heart health benefits like reducing blood pressure and inflammation. So a couple of nice things there, lower cholesterol, lower blood pressure, lower inflammation. Fiber, point number two, fiber has been shown to help control blood sugar levels. In studies done on people with diabetes, fiber, and in particular soluble fiber, has been shown to slow the absorption of sugar, which then helps improve blood sugar levels. Now this said... It can be guessed and also shown in studies. My point number three is that fiber has been shown to help lower type 2 diabetes risk. Researchers believe that a combination of fiber's ability to help support these stable blood glucose levels, its ability to create a healthier gut microbiome, and its ability to help lower inflammation in the body, all this combined helps reduce your likelihood of developing, of developing type 2 diabetes. Point number four, fiber helps benefit your gut bacteria and it helps support a healthy gut microbiome. I will get into this in depth in a matter of moments. Point number five, fiber has been shown to reduce the risk of certain cancers. Studies have been shown to be mixed, but a majority of them do seem to point to the fact that high fiber is associated with lowering the risk of cancer and in particular colorectal and breast cancers. A 2020 review in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that higher fiber intake was correlated with a reduced risk of colorectal cancer, and another 22 review published in the journal Cancer found that soluble fiber and fruit fiber had the strongest associations with a reduced risk of breast cancer. My final health point that I'll get into in more depth later as well is that fiber has been shown to aid in weight loss due to its satiety-inducing capabilities. Risks of low fiber, so a lack of fiber or a low fiber intake in the traditional Western diet actually starves our gut microbes, so it can lead to a lack of microbial diversity in the gut. Fuck no, we don't want that. We want as much diversity in there as possible, which means we need as much fiber in there as possible. 
of other risks of low fiber, lower levels have been shown to be associated with increases in colorectal cancer, autoimmune diseases, inflammation, and even decreased immunity. So I hope this is motivating and clear about why fiber is important and why you want to be getting adequate amounts of fiber in and why it deserves its own goddamn episode. Fiber goes overlooked. I don't know why. And I'm here to give it the attention it really deserves. Now, what is fiber? So fiber is an undigestible carb, carbohydrate. Yes, it's a carb. So when you say I'm cutting carbs, no carbs, low carbs, I'm going keto. I don't want to hear about it. Um, Fiber is a carb, and there are some people that do need lower-carb diets for specific disease states, specific things, and that's fine. But in general, fiber is a carb. So when you're cutting carbs or going on a low-carb diet, it's really important to pay extra close attention to your fiber. So I digress. Fiber is an undigestible carbohydrate that is a part of plants, and it's a primary energy source for most gut microbes, meaning it's feeding our gut bacteria, which makes it a prebiotic. Fiber is resistant to digestion and absorption in the small intestine and instead is typically fermented in our gut, in the colon, the large intestine, the colon. This fermentation of fiber results primarily in the formation of active gut metabolites called short-chain fatty acids. Primarily, the three that we see in this fermentation process are acetate, propionate, and butyrate. And these are very beneficial for the gut and overall health. So when short-chain fatty acids are released as a result of the fermentation process in the colon, so fiber goes to the colon, it's fermented, short-chain fatty acids are released. What this does it alters the pH of the colon and it lowers it, making it more acidic. And then this acidic environment dictates which type of bacteria are present and can thrive and survive in the colon. We like this lower pH and more acidic environment because it helps limit the growth of some harmful bacteria. For example, Clostridium difficile or C. diff. I hope I said that right. Clostridium difficile, difficile. C. diff. And the reason the pH is so important is because this lower acidic pH is what supports growth and thriving of a lot of the healthier gut bacterial strains that we want. And like I just said, limits growth of some of the harmful ones like C. diff. So short-chain fatty acids, no big deal, kind of a huge deal. Like they're pretty important. Short-chain fatty acids have been shown to have so many important health benefits, including reducing inflammation, especially in GI disorders like IBD or inflammatory bowel disease. They're shown to be an energy source for colonocytes, which are the colonic mucosal cells. They help aid in destroying colonic cancer cells. They've been shown to help stimulate immune cell activity, so boosting your immune systems. And they've also helped, they help maintain normal blood glucose levels and normal cholesterol levels. So if you haven't heard of short-chain fatty acids before, you sure as F have heard of them now. And they are a huge deal. And you want them. I briefly mentioned prebiotics. Prebiotics are what feed our gut bacteria. They are fuel for the gut microbiome. Not all fiber are prebiotic, but a lot of them are. The highest amounts of prebiotic fiber are found in raw versions of garlic, onions, leeks, asparagus, Jerusalem artichokes, dandelion greens, and bananas. But in general, it's important to remember fruits, veggies, beans, legumes, legumes, I can never say that word, legumes, and whole grains are decent sources of fiber and prebiotic fibers. And I just want to make a point, prebiotics are not to be confused with probiotics, which are the actual bacteria themselves. 
prebiotics, you can look at it like this, prebiotics feed probiotics. The probiotics are the bacteria. Fiber is really the prebiotic and they feed the bacteria. So probiotic foods actually contain beneficial live microbiota that help support the microbiome. And we see this in foods that have been fermented because like we just said earlier, this fermentation process that takes place helps create the healthy bacteria. So just, I'm digressing briefly, but I just want to make clear like the difference between prebiotics and probiotics. So probiotics, fermented foods like kefir, cultured yogurts, pickled vegetables, tempeh, kombucha, kimchi, miso, and sauerkraut. And probiotic foods, like I said, due to the fermentation process they undergo, contain this good and healthy bacteria. So when you eat them, they're beneficial for the gut. It's like taking a probiotic supplement, but instead you're getting it, the probiotics from food. Now back to the point, fiber. Let me explain fiber. Fiber is broken into primarily two categories, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Fiber, soluble fiber dissolves in water and is readily fermentable. Examples of soluble fiber include oatmeal, chia seeds, nuts, beans, lentils, and then some fruits like apples and blueberries. Insoluble fiber does not dissolve in water and is usually broken down by the gut microbiome instead of being fermented. So it travels intact to the colon where it bulks stool because it wasn't fermented. It's intact there still. So examples of insoluble fiber include whole wheat products, quinoa, brown rice, also legumes, leafy greens, walnuts, flax seeds, and some fruits um, with skins like pears and apples. So as you can see, there's some overlap there. Um, apples have soluble and insoluble fiber. Some fruits and veggies have both. Some only have one. Both are beneficial. Both soluble and insoluble fiber help reduce insulin resistance, inflammation, weight gain, and have also been linked to anti-diabetic activity. They both help bulk the stool, but in different ways. So this is where they, fiber comes in handy for helping you keep regular and having smooth bowel movements. So for example, insoluble fiber helps bulk stool due to its water holding capacity. They do not dissolve, and instead they retain water, which helps bulk the stool and make it easier to pass. On the other hand, soluble fiber increases stool bulk because they promote the growth of this good bacteria and the byproducts that we talked about, short-chain fatty acids, when they undergo the fermentation process. The physiological impact of fiber is really contingent upon its solubility and how it behaves in water, which is why it's so important to bring up you know, my favorite, my star of the show, water. This is why fiber is so important for regularity and why when you increase fiber, you need to increase water. If you're not getting adequate amounts of water when you're having fiber, you will be constipated. It will do the opposite of what you want and it will back you up. The physiological impact of fiber is really contingent upon its solubility and how it behaves in water. Both of them help bulk the stool, but in different ways. But needless to say, and I'll say it 10 more times, you need to increase your water if you're increasing your fiber or it can lead to constipation. Now, I want to talk about how to add in fiber. Because you don't just add it. You don't just, you know, buy a fiber bar. It's not that simple. Um, although it is simple to add in fiber, but it's not as like, oh, I'm just going to go buy something called fiber and eat it. First off, it's need, it needs to be done gradually. And like I just said, with water. So going back to the original statistic, if Americans have on average less than 13 grams of fiber per day, let's start there. So say you're having 13 grams a day. I say start having 16, add three grams, have 16 for five days. See how you feel. If that goes well, add another three. Do 19 grams for five days. See how you feel. And do that gradually until you get to that 30 grams of fiber. You have to start slow. If you're bloated or gassy, cut back. 
your body may need more time to adjust to the increase, and that's fine. Or you're not getting enough water. But again, if you're increasing that fiber, best be increasing that water. And we can assume your body is just adjusting to the process it takes to to actually process fiber. Remember, you don't just go in and run a marathon. You run two miles for a few weeks. Then you increase your strength and stamina. Then maybe you increase to five. Do that for a couple weeks. Then 10, then 15. You don't just wake up and run 26.2 miles or whatever the, whatever the marathon, that marathon number is. So your body requires time to adjust. So please be patient with your body. Don't get discouraged if you are noticing you're gassy or bloated. Like I said, cut back, but don't stop. It's just your body adjusting. Now, some ways that you can increase your fiber. So instead of something like a breakfast cereal, like Special K, try oatmeal with chia seeds. We all know I love chia seeds, plant-based protein, fiber, omega-3 fatty acids. It's a powerhouse. They keep you hydrated. Add in a tablespoon with your oatmeal. Instead of having something like fruit juices, try having whole fruit. Fiber is actually in fruit skin and veggie skin. So when we do juicing and people juice fruits or juice veggies, they strip the fiber because the skin is not a part of the juice. So instead of doing anything like that, pick the fruit, the whole fruit, instead of like a fruit juice. Be mindful. You can add veggies into things like eggs, like a veggie scramble or a veggie omelet. You can add veggies to your burgers, grilled cheeses, add it into soups, stews, chilies. If you're doing like crock pot, you know, it's winter, batch cooking, hot items like that, add more veggies in. Add berries to your yogurt, berries to cottage cheese, berries to that chia pudding. When you're having pasta, add in veggies. Try having quinoa instead of rice. Try brown rice instead of white rice. Keep in mind, white starches, they are processed heavily and all of the nutrients, including fibers, removed. Things like brown rice, whole grains, they are not processed like that and that's why they have the fiber left in. And lastly, one of my favorite things, unripe bananas. So obviously, most people are not looking to eat unripe bananas. Bananas start out green, they become yellow, they eventually turn brown. That's all a part of the ripening process. And when you get green bananas, they are much higher in fiber and particularly prebiotic fiber than they are in sugar. As they ripen, this prebiotic sugar, excuse me, this prebiotic sugar, this prebiotic fiber is converted to sugar. So I encourage people buy green bananas, take off the skin, put them in half or in thirds, however you portion them in your smoothie, and then freeze them like that, like break it apart and freeze them. And then when you use it in your smoothie, it still creates that thickness and consistency. It's not as sweet as a super ripe banana, but it still thickens and you're getting the prebiotic fibers. So quick tidbit if you didn't know that. And some examples of fiber sources, one cup of broccoli will give you five grams, half of an avocado will give you five grams, medium apples have around four grams, Half a cup of raspberries has around four grams. Raspberries are like dietitian's dream powerhouse fruit because they are low in sugar and high in fiber. Something to keep in mind. One cup of cooked lentils will get you around 13 grams of fiber, and one cup of cooked split peas gets you around 16 grams of fiber. An ounce of chia is around 10 grams, and one cup of cooked quinoa is five grams. So lots of options look into it, see what foods you like, start looking, reading labels, looking at the fiber content, and gradually add it in and increase. As mentioned, water is imperative for fiber to act appropriately in the body. Without proper amounts of water, it will not bulk the stool. It sits dry and it, it's going to constipate you. So increase the fiber, increase your water. And like I said, aim for 10, 10 grams per meal, which will get you 30 grams daily. And if you do too quickly, 
gas main sue, bloating main sue. Not to get too graphic, but if you're having a lot of fiber or you're increasing it gradually and not increasing water and you're constipated, it can lead to things like hemorrhoids and straining and it's not comfortable. So please be sure you're doing it gradually and in a hydrated state. Now, fiber and satiety. I love this topic. Another major reason to add in fiber, it induces satiety. So especially if you're trying to lose weight, this is helpful. A 2011 review article in Obesity Reviews concluded that greater intakes of dietary fiber have shown showed in a study to reduce appetite by 5%, decreased long-term energy intake by 2.6%, and even lowered body weight by 1.3%. It has also been shown that when done consistently, consumption of an additional 14 grams of fiber daily was shown to be associated with a 10% decrease in energy intake and weight loss of around four pounds. So long story short, the more fiber you eat, the less hungry people are. It induces satiety. They're not as hungry. So the less calories they consume overall, which leads, leads to gradual and sustainable weight loss. Some other ways that fiber actually also impacts weight loss. Fiber takes longer to digest, which is what helps us stay fuller for longer. Fiber increases chewing, which limits intake because it promotes the secretion of saliva and gastric juices, which results in an expansion of the stomach and increased satiety. High fiber foods also have a much lower energy density compared with high fat foods, meaning they have less calories than higher fat foods. So this is how they oftentimes displace calories because you have you're eating more fiber, you're less hungry, you eat less overall, and they have less calories than those high-fat foods. And lastly, the bulking and viscosity proper properties of dietary fiber are predominantly what's responsible for influencing satiety and staying satiated. So those are just a few things to know on how fiber really does help impact our weight loss. And a few closing remarks. I mean, figure out where you on where you are on fiber. I'd say start tracking it. Look at your foods. And gradually increase it to get to that around 30 grams per day. There's, it's got lots of benefits. There, you know, you can get supplements for it, but I always encourage whole foods, foods first if you can. So try with those whole foods and see how you do. Gradual, get that water in. Pay attention to how you're feeling. You'll, you may start to notice that you're fuller quicker and that you're eating less. And see how that feels. Fiber feeds your gut microbiome or your gut microbiota or your gut's bacteria. We want diversity in our fiber sources. So eating as many whole foods and as plant-based foods as possible. We want diver diversity in these sources because different gut microbes feed off of different fibers. And this is why variety and diversity in the diet is so key. You have to remember what you're eating, you're feeding your gut. And different parts, different bacteria in the gut feed off of different types of fiber. So the more diversity you eat, the more diversity of bacteria you're going to be supporting in the gut. And, you know, a lack of diversity in the gut has been shown to be associated with things like obesity and all sorts of disease states, higher inflammation. So we want that diversity. We want microbial diversity and we want that diversity in the diet. So if there's anything you take away from today, get that fiber up, do it gradually, drink your water and try to have as di diverse sources as possible. And I hope that sums it up and explains to you why fiber is not only the gut's magician, but deserves its own goddamn episode. It needed its own, it needed its five minutes. Now we don't have to talk about it as much anymore, but it, it needed its five minutes. And that's a wrap. <laughs>